Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. We are live. Anyhow. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everyone. It's the one and only V, the great economist. And I have with me the great Matthew Eret, the great game. He is the one and only oracle of truth, of, of logic, and perspectives, because perspectives are important. You can find Matthew over at CanadianPatriot.org as well as the RisingTideFoundation.net. Subscribe, 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 subscribe to his Substack. It's very important that you do that. And also reach out to Matt on those respective websites as well because you can sign up for his Telegram channel, which him and his wife Cynthia run an amazing, amazing symposium that they will do. I think you guys do it pretty much every Sunday, I guess, right? Every Sunday, and uh, and also we do some uh, workshops on uh, on Wednesday nights for people who want to there dive you. into some original texts of scientific works, philosophical works from people like Plato, Bernatsky, uh, Leibniz. Uh, that's every Wednesday. So anybody just wants, if you if people want to get in the type of education you didn't get in school but you should have, um, yeah. just send an email to uh, to me or my wife at info at Rising Tide Foundation, and uh, we're more than happy to have more people jump on board. Absolutely. And folks, here's the thing. It's, it is a literally the most palatable PH devil, PH devil, PhD course that you can possibly do. So it's very important that you get you guys get your education on that. And most importantly, also get his latest books. They are absolute brain candy in order for you to understand what is happening historically and um, presently. And where you see where you know where the world order is in a massive, massive state of flux. And with that all being said, Matt, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, long time no see. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a uh, a rough spot over the past few weeks to to find the time to really just get back uh, in the mode of doing the, our shows. But I'm I'm really happy that we're going to get back on on the the weekly schedule. I'm good. I'm really good and uh, excited to just see how the uh, the world is is moving right now. And I mean, obviously, there's some concern. There's uh, things are not. There's no reason to celebrate uh, prematurely, but obviously, there are some incredible um, maneuvers that have been made, and I think a lot more surprises that we're going to see unfolding over the coming weeks and months. Um, where I mean, the entire the entire system, the entire formula of the new world order is as it was sold to the world after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991 is breaking down completely. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're just looking at a, at like a plane, which is trying to, uh, to do something it's not capable of doing, you know, like that you've got a hyper, yeah. the way I think about it is that this whole neoliberal order and all of their zombie like technocrats who have been conditioned and installed to advance this ivory tower blueprint for what this post nation state post truth uh, world system is going to be forever. The forever model of humanity they're so hyper um, adapted to their theory that when the entire world has completely changed, has broken from this years ago, 
they are not capable of, of making the appropriate adjustments to that new reality and are, are just doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on their ideology. And it's just breaking apart left and right, um, which is kind of good in some ways, since, you know, those champions of humanity who actually don't want to be destroyed and actually are doing a lot right now to put online new systems of cooperation and new dynamics for what type of future potentials can be brought online. They don't, they're actually thinking with a creative edge that is lacking completely in the, uh, you know, the, 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 those, those people who are just falling one after the other in the transatlantic, all the, all of these idiots who are installed in management positions like Bojo, uh, who's now, I guess, preparing guerrilla training to go and fight on the front lines in Ukraine, according to his new video. <laughs> you see this? I see video? the video is hilarious. Oh my God. It's pathetic. <laughs> Yeah, for people listening, you, you actually have Bojo after he has like fallen from power and, you know, being sent out as a PR, I don't know what this is, uh, PR to who, I guess, to try to remoralize the Ukrainians who might lose heart because all of the, 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 the European officials who had been supporting Ukraine so, uh, so dearly have all been falling from power. You know, is it the Estonian leader and, and Bojo and uh, Draghi? has taken a huge hit. Sarkozy has taken a huge hit. They're all falling from power. The The economy is completely melting down. The populations are ready to revolt for due to, you know, this completely artificial energy and food crisis that doesn't have to happen. So obviously the Ukrainians who have been fed all of this uh, propaganda, I think they might be losing a little bit of faith. And so Bojo was sent down by his handlers to, uh, <laughs> to go and do workouts with, and, and learn how to like shoot an AK-47 and throw a grenade with uh, his fellow Ukrainian uh, there militia members. Oh, you the got United it? Kingdom support <laughs> yeah. the people of Ukraine and support you in your fight. And I am absolutely convinced <laughs> clown. that you can win and That's that you right will there. win. Thank you very much. Jakuya and Slava Ukraini. Slava! We're all Slavas! Oh my God. Yeah, that's him actually learning yeah, how to shoot. Once they're in position, we're, we're going to walk over here. Once they're in position, this is the retreat pose. Once we hear explosions in the distance, we quickly tell them to retreat. Now, follow us this way, Prime Minister. <laughs> He's going to throw a grenade. Watch this. <laughs> he, oh, no. Oh, no. There goes They're making Blojo. it seem like he's leading the uh, leading the <laughs> what army. What was that? Did you see that? Did you see that look? <laughs> Wait, why should I just here? You go. <laughs> he does not know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too much. It's going well. Great. Yeah, he, he's, 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 when you get the the Bojo seal of approval on your Uber. Some of the. You know you're on a suicide run. Ukrainian <laughs> troops who are yeah. here uh, being being trained, trained. by uh, oh, no. our forces, they getting have ready a... to go and uh, fight. <laughs> managing a Gatling part gun. of a huge commitment we've made to train Ukrainians. He's shaking the gun. <laughs> He's doing something. Forces, uh, we want to train about oh. ten thousand of them over the next uh, four months. That comes on top of the uh, investment we're making in uh, supporting Ukrainian. The mouse that roared. That is what the oh, UK is. The wow. mouse that roared. Here we go. 
weapons with oh my weapons, god 900 anti-tank weapons 120 armored vehicles and, and these guys are literally emptying what's left of their fuel reserves what's left of their armament i mean they're so behind on production right they're like oh crap we just emptied a whole bunch we we, we can't make enough missiles and and whatnot to supply the ukrainians with much much else besides including now the multiple launch rocket systems uh, that together the Americans, Germans, and others were providing really are starting uh, to make a difference. We hope oh, yeah. in the course of that war. Slavo Ukraini! Slavo Ukrainians, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, and then to actually find people who are going to use them. You could dump as many weapons as you want into Ukraine, um, but who, who's actually going to use them? At this point, we, we, yeah. we've got situations where the Russians have bought the French howitzers that were sold to the Ukra- or given, I guess, to the Ukrainians, yeah. where they're still expect to. I guess the government is still supposed to pay for them. Um, they're worth, I don't know what they sold them for something like eight hundred thousand dollars to Russia. So the Ukrainians, the Ukrainian militia members, just wanted to make some 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 dough. <laughs> they yeah. sold them to the Russians. These things are worth like a thousand times more than the Russians paid for these things. So yep. at this point, the, the European taxpayers are providing for uh, military, you know, <laughs> providing weapons to the, the Russian military. It's uh, <laughs> via Ukraine. No, it's, it's really, it's sad. It's a, it's a sad, pathetic thing. Uh, somebody just said, I'm surprised he didn't shoot one of the Ukrainians. <laughs> I don't think they would let him handle a, a loaded, a loaded gun. Ultimately, uh, accidental but... discharge. Bang! Slava <laughs> <Ooh>, Ukraini. <laughs> oh no! But these guys are just oh, dropping like flies. God. You know, like Olaf Scholz as well is like enmeshed. I just read this this morning. I didn't know about this. Um, some sort of a sex scandal involving underage girls at a party that that his party that he was at. Um, like that's just who knows where that can go. Um, and then you have oh, obviously like. The, the entire population of Europe, of Europe is coming to terms with the fact that they are being expected to die. Um, the farmers of the Netherlands, Nether- the, the Dutch farmers provide the majority of the food that's used, they're consumed by Europeans all across the continent. And they're being told to shut down their food supply. So you see these by what, 30% or something to preserve Gaia. And so, you know, you just see these massive protests happening all over the the germans are joining hands you got something that could be bubbling up in canada again soon i'm hoping that the americans get their shit together and get something uh you know more something potent online but uh but you just have a complete detachment with the fact that the population you you kind of do need their acquiescence and support on some level to go along with your uh post-truth post-nation state post-human agenda and they're just completely detached, and they don't see that their heads could be rolling quicker than they realize in the context of a of a total breakdown. Um, Canada just has, you know, <laughs> we we just inaugurated the biggest cricket processing facility in the world in uh, in Ontario. Like that's our, our claim to fame, owned by Bill Gates. You know that that's like now yeah. what we're doing <laughs> to 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 help us go green and, and protect nature by not eating cows or chickens or food or uh, pigs and instead eating crickets that were told tastes like beef. Um, I don't know what it's like to, to work at one of these facilities, but people are not going to go along. Like they're just, they're, they're breaking, you know, a lot of people took their jabs, but now we're at jab number three, four, five in some cases. And 
like that it's dropping off completely. You know, I, I think that the overall support for people who are, uh, I, we're, what, 25, 30% or something like that for people who are going for the third jab. So nothing is, nothing is working. Um, the illusions are breaking down. And what do you have right now is something viable. You have Russia, you have China, you have Iran, you have many other countries. Lavrov, who we're told is representing the isolated and defeated Russia, has just gone to, to Egypt as part of the first leg of a multinational tour of Africa. And I mean, you just see the pictures of all of the different African heads of state lining up to shake his hand and the different Arab leaders of every Arab nation lining up to shake his hand. Um, like the world is going in a very different direction. I think that's all very, very important because right now, like, you know, Biden went to Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks back, not even a week and a half ago. Didn't really get anything out of it. He was like, they, they came up with a with a Saudi U.S. I, I heard he actually went there with a with a giant gas can. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw the pictures. But the pictures. Keep talking. I'll see. If, I'll see if I can pull this picture. Yeah, do it. Yeah, no, I mean the, the guy went there basically begging them to increase their uh, their production. Um, nothing was really resolved. They, I think, they set up like a the only thing that they agreed upon on top of the fact that there was also pressure to try to advance this whole Middle Eastern NATO alliance with the Gulf states. Uh, and Israel, uh, none of that went through. All of these countries are trying to rehabilitate the relationship with Iran. You have Saudi Arabia as well as the UAE, two power players who have both said that they're tr they really want a positive relationship with Iran. They're so, they're they're nominal enemy, they're mortal enemy. They're they've reopened diplomatic channels, set back up their ambassadors into Iran. That's happening as we speak. Um, you have economic arrangements involving rail that is being built currently with financing from the Chinese and a lot of other forms of nonlinear help from the Russians um, connecting. Uh, I mean, going from Saudi Arabia, the UAE through Iran into Turkey. And, you know, you have Putin, who met also around that same time that Biden went and begged, um, you know, the leadership of Saudi Arabia to increase gas supplies and, and extend uh, military agreements. At that same time, Putin was, you know, meeting in Tehran with Raisi and um, and Erdogan, and uh, and ultimately creating the foundation of a very different way of thinking about development in the Middle East and security. So, after Biden left with not really nothing that he wanted, you know, you have <laughs> Ben Salman getting on the phone with Putin, where the two of them then. Uh, you know, negotiate and agree upon terms upon which the OPEC plus countries are going to increase their their oil and natural gas supplies on Russia's conditions, on Russia's terms. So you, you actually have something which is looking very good. I mean, Saudi Arabia, as well as the UAE, are both very excited about going for nuclear power. Despite the fact that these countries have been used to do a lot of bad things over the past 80 years, they, they recognize that they are both ultimately disposable and play no long term role within the, the broader, you know, neoliberal world order. They are absolutely disposable, as is Erdogan. So they're being offered a lot of money to go green, to have the Middle East, you know, green beltway, um, which Biden championed saying, what, what a great thing this is. But if you look at the way that they've said that they're going to do the green beltway of the Middle East, oh, there it is. There it is. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. The, the way that it didn't work, he has to go back to the Venezuelans now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure uh, Guaido gave him thumbs up. Good luck collecting on that. <laughs> Guaido already signed the approval, man. 
He already right. signed it. He is the president of the people. I mean, the people yeah. love him so much. In, in Venezuela, it's a thing you, to have, you know, rocks and shoes thrown at you when you show up. It's it's just it's the people showing their their passion for you. That that's the way they do it. Yeah, it's like in in, in China, you're, you're supposed to burp at the dinner table to show that you like the food. Here here, our customs say that that's not such a polite thing. In in Venezuela, it's you throw rocks and shoes at people you really like and admire. That's that's. Yeah, that that's what NBC and CNN are telling me. So yep. yeah, Quite there's no love. such thing as inflation anymore. By the way, no, I, I and there's no such thing as recessions anymore either. Uh, Yellen no gave a, a speech saying, yeah. "Yeah, formerly recessions used to be uh, no GDP growth for two uh, two quarters, and uh, yeah, even though we're not having GDP growth for two quarters, that's actually not how we're going to call a recession a recession anymore. It it it's actually a more systemic." like meltdown that that's a recession so everything we've been using as far as definitions of what a recession is for the past like 90 years th th those are over along with the definitions of what uh immunity is what what medical science is all of those things th that's all the old wisdom if you could reclassify what a what a boy or a girl is why not reclassify what a recession is it, it could be uh, it has to be 50 quarters of negative growth then it's a recession and I think and when it's implosion. the population are cannibalizing uh, each other, I think that's it has to hit that two thirds mark of cannibalization. Pretty sure, yeah. You hit it. That's that's exactly then then and only then you can say that it's a recession when you're yeah. when people are eating their neighbors and their neighbors' yeah. pets. Yeah, that's what it, is. it starts with the pets though. That's the first. Although start. I think when we get a little bit closer to that moment. Um, they're going to redefine that as being somehow a virtuous, good thing that's actually going to cause economic growth because, you know, you're going to be able to, yeah, to, to cut a carbon footprint. I mean, one human being, yeah. if you, if you let a human being live through the course of their entire lives, that's all, that's a lot of carbon. How many, how many tons? That's 120 tons of carbon or something being emitted into the, into the atmosphere. I mean, you could make a lot of money by carbon offsets by eating your neighbor and ensuring yeah. that you've just preserved, you know, the greenhouse effect, you know, for, for much, much longer. So you can make money maybe off of uh, eliminating other human beings, perhaps. But you want to start with their children first. Well, they have less value. Uh, that's course, where, right? yeah. You yeah. Put less money into them. So of course. Yeah, exactly. Not start with the children they're first. Just, they're just overhead. Like, yeah, and this is another thing that parents should do, especially like a lot of homeschool parents and stuff. I, I think homeschool parents, should uh should shoot their kids like you know a school shooting, so the kids could have a real authentic school experience. You know, mm. well, it definitely builds character. I think it does, it does. But you, then you it's but Matt, I digress. Have. I don't. I digress. Go ahead, Matt. You you you, you were saying about the uh, well, the, the, the wonders of Janet Yellen them for for frontline Ukrainian um you know militias being led by yeah you know we could just why yeah. have the minimum age be 15 and the maximum age be 70 why not do what the african warlords did in the past with like eight and nine year olds and 10 year olds why not go for five let's you know again we well you know all in all honesty kids... yeah. mm. no i mean i mean, it, I mean yeah, it's I think they should probably first and foremost, if we're going to be, you know, competent about this, because you don't want to just put a weapon into a child's hand. Um, you know, they can barely lift the thing. I think you need to build up some muscle mass first 
Um, and just, you know, I think the, some cobalt mining operations in Nigeria and other places where you already have like something yeah. like 40,000 children under the age of 12 already working in, uh, you know, cobalt and other lithium and, and mining operations in, uh, in much of sub-Saharan Africa. To because I mean, where else is where else is is the material for our solar panels going to come from in our cell phones? Right. Um, obviously, um, if we're going to have this digital green economy, you got to have that. So the kids are going to be able to build up the muscle mass, get the stamina going, and then you know when they graduate from that experience, then maybe we could send them into. No, that's not good. You, you said muscle mass. We don't want kids building muscle mass. We want them to build more of an androgynous frame. A soy, a complete soy and insect diet should do the trick. Mm. They could be very well, androgynous at that point. You could see how this this type of conversation. I mean, we're obviously being absurd, but it, it it is jarring that this sort of conversation is the sort of thing that does happen on some level. Um, of course, regarding you know when you get behind those people looking at at different forms of biotechnology and you know there's a lot being promoted right now around the idea of test tube babies already babies are you know you've got uh parents of of various multiple genders at the same time who you know they don't want to do the, re the reproduction thing in the old-fashioned way they're they're going for the new test tube babies where you can go to a variety of these multinational conglomerates that specialize in this sort of thing with um you know sperm and, and embryo donors and and select out the characteristics that you would like to have in your in your child um you, and you know i was listening to a uh, an interview of of this uh, british um i guess that you know british gay couple these two guys who just had their own test tube baby and they were just going through with such joy in their eyes of how they they went through their selection process and uh i mean the lack of of understanding of the nature of the human soul and and how human beings actually work. It's like, yeah, we wanted a baby which which has loving, trusting eyes, a nice smile, who's creative. So we wanted their creative genes to really uh, be at the maximum. So we picked a really creative person who likes painting. Um, we wanted them to also have a good analytical side. And so we picked somebody who's good at math. And it's like, are you are you serious? Like, this is actually how you're thinking about these moral and, and nonlinear attributes as being all reducible to some uh, you know, material condition entirely embedded within your genome. That's how you're thinking about creating these babies. What about how you raise it? What about the type of, you know, experiences that you give or don't give that child in the course of the life? The books you get, you, you read it when it's young and that it learns to enjoy reading itself. Will that possibly have an influence on the type of identity and choices that kid is going to make as they become an adult? Maybe, you know, <laughs> like, Somebody watching just Game of Thrones and Netflix all the time versus somebody who's actually, you know, thinking about big ideas that shaped world history are going to have very two different outcomes if, based on the choices that their parents encouraged them to, you know, awaken inside of themselves. And there's very little understanding because ultimately it's like those people who said that babies have, especially, you know, the younger the baby is, the less value it has for purely quantitative reasons. That's actually a thing that people like Rahm Emanuel you know, or no, sorry, Ezekiel Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel is the uh, ambassador to, I think, Japan, right? Or India, um, I'm forgetting. But Ezekiel, who is the uh, one of the key architects of the, the healthcare reforms happening right now as we speak, has put forth this logic that, you know, quality-adjusted life years that they've been doing already in Britain is the great way to solve the budget and medical scarcity problems. And what this does is it simply has a logical, rational 
uh, valuation of human beings according to monetary uh, standards, such that, you know, if you're a baby, if you're one month old, well, they're purely looking at, number one, a carbon emitter. How much, what is the metric tonnage of carbon that that baby is going to emit through their pooping and other things throughout their, their entire life, right? So you're looking at, at a carbon-emitting carbon producing machine, a pollution machine, um, which can be obviously uh, monetized because carbon now is going to increasingly have uh, dollar values associated with it. And how much you don't use will give you profit according to some of these formulas. But then also you have the fact that it's pure um, taxpayer overhead, right? That that kid is going to have, it, it's going to be in school. It's not going to be producing. It's not going to be paying taxes until it's, what, 20, according to the, the current standard, <laughs> until 30, 40, you know, because um, there's no jobs. So that kid is worth yeah. more than a 20-year-old who has begun working. We've already put all the investment in them. The kid is now, or let's say 30-year-old, is now getting a job. They're paying taxes. They're worth the one year of their life is worth the most, like $300,000. So if they need an expensive medical procedure, that 25, 30-year-old is going to be able to access it, whereas the one-year-old, two-year-old, or 70-year-old, 80-year-old will not because of triage, because there's only so much to go around. And we'll give you a death pill if you're too old or too whatever, whatever we want to give you if you're too young, maybe a, a post- <laughs> a post-birthing uh, uh, abortion, which used to be called uh, murder, maybe that will be a good, you know, alternative, a solution. Hello, but uh, they don't see value in human beings. They don't believe in the soul. No, they don't. And uh, and 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 you hit the nail on the head. That this people are wondering what what is this carbon thing about? It's about getting you from the cradle to the grave. It's about taxing you from the moment you take your first breath to the moment you take your last breath. And then all the wonderful financial products and instruments that they can create as derivatives based upon that composite of you, your neighbor, your, 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 your community, all of them emitting carbon. That's what this whole yeah. damn thing is about. And it's insidious and it's sick. And this is why people should not only sit there and say, hey, this is cute stuff, this is funny, but actually do something to stop these psychopaths. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if, if you look at it right now, like the idea of scarcity should be a, a concept of an obsolete age of the past. We should be so far beyond the ages of scarcity, which animated most of human history. Most of human history, uh, there was not the means of production available to provide abundance um, for everybody. We're at such a stage right now, when you actually look at the technologies that have been created, discovered, and brought online, even though many of these have been subverted, many of these uh, cutting-edge technologies are, are, are only being used in the military, if anything, not, not for the productive society as a whole. But if you actually just look at it, we could be feeding the world several times over easy, easy, easy. And I mean, the just take into consideration just the, the very obvious solutions. Number one, except Russian gas, like just Nord Stream 2 is built, right? Nord Stream 1 can go back in operation anytime. You just simply say, we will go along with that. Well, like we're going to pay in rubles. Just just do it. Like Russia and China have already put online a completely new alternative financial uh, system, essentially. It's it's pretty much good to go. There, There's, I mean, new reserve currencies set up around 
actual commodities, real goods that exist in the real universe, that's already there. So on the one hand, simply just simply say, okay, we accept goods produced in Russia, natural gas, oil, okay, and we'll pay. Um, number two, stop using your your agricultural land for biofuel. I mean, I you know I've got farmland behind my house, a lot of it. And if you actually look at the type of corn that's being produced, all of it has signs saying this is not for human consumption. This is entirely for biofuels. It's like that for the United States. 40% of the corn production in the United States is for bioethanol to so-called save nature. But you're taking a potential food and you're turning it into gasoline to burn it. You're burning food while we have 15,000 children dying of starvation unnecessarily every single day. Um, and the ones who aren't are being told to work in mining operations in the continent of Africa. It's not because Africa isn't the richest continent in the world, which it is. It's that, it's that you have, and it's not that these people are incompetent or incapable of self-government, which they're not. It's that you have had um, an active, ongoing oligarchical operation to subvert and cut the, the legs off of Africa every time that they're like, they've started moving in the race. Their, their kneecaps are broken. And whether it's through the IMF, the World Bank, or or insidious operations launched by Rhodes Scholars and other uh, agents who are indoctrinated in Oxford, you know, little local sociopathic elites who are trained, brainwashed, corrupted, and then brought into a, a, a processing facility called Oxford and then resent back down to be a local manager of a multinational corporate complex that just is designed to rape their country on behalf of an elite. It's, it's all artificial. So you have all of these things, and now it's all doubling down with the economic collapse. That is also artificial. We don't have to, like, the banking system, which will collapse, it's it's not a recession. Yellen is right in that sense. We are not in a recession. We are in a systemic breakdown crisis. It's far bigger than anything you could imagine as far as anything that is a recession. The, the underlying physical structure supporting human beings on this earth, especially in the West, is breaking down, has been permitted to atrophy. We've, we've self-mutilated it. And the thing that we're being told is the value system that we're bailing out and printing money out of thin air in the trillions. That is, is completely detached from any reality. As you said, derivatives, unpayable debts that are multiplied in the form of derivative contracts. Um, I mean, all of this stuff. And so we're just, we're, we're, we're bleeding the healthy tissue. We're, we're killing the healthy tissue to squeeze out a bit of blood to feed the cancer before the cancer, which has already taken over the host by, by magnitudes, blows up um, and, and kills the host. So all of these, these things don't have to happen. You don't have to have scarcity. We, we could, and just look at what Russia and China are doing, right? Look at what's even Saudi Arabia, the UAE, the, the different idea of green that is being embraced by these countries involves the utilization of natural gas and oil massively, more than we've ever seen it in history. Is, is that um, bad for the environment, like we're told? No. When you burn these things, you create CO2. Is that bad for the... No, that's plant food. CO2 is good for the environment. And every time we have introduced CO2 into greenhouses, which you do as a farmer, you buy CO2 machines when you want a greenhouse to work well. And you can increase it from the average 350 parts per million up to 1,400 parts per million, depending on what you want to produce. And every single thing we have tried, which has which is animated by chlorophyll, grows faster, more abundant, healthier, more vitamin-rich, and quicker. And 
That happens every single time. So if you do that to the biosphere, the fact that human beings have moved through an industrial phase of civilization for the past 150 years, which involved burning uh, hydrocarbons and emitting CO2 has been a sign that nature is wired in such a way that indicates that industry is good. It has a symbiotic relationship with jungles and ecosystems which eat and love CO2. It is not a bad, it is not a pollutant. So, you know, these countries are doing it. They're also going for nuclear. Like UAE is the first country to uh, actually install and have working nuclear reactors. Saudi Arabia has a deal with, with China to build uh, several nuclear reactors, which has been ongoing since 2014. You have Russia, uh, Africa, the entire continent, every single leader of the 46 out of the 53 African countries that participated in the, the first U.S. Uh, Africa-Russia summit in 2019, all met with the head of Rosatom, and all of them had uh, blueprints created for them by the Russians on how to have nuclear energy, because all of them, all of them have been told by Western racist transhumanist elites for the past 80 years that you are too primitive and tribal as a people to be responsible enough to use this white man's technology called nuclear power. Only South Africa has had the right to use it. And you know why South Africa, yep. right, had nuclear power. Oh, yeah. Apartheid. So they were run by a bunch of yep. racist uh, <laughs> apartheid fanatics for most of their history until recently. So they have, they have had the right to have that technology. No one else. So that, they're totally embracing it. They see that that's the future. Obviously, they need to burn coal. They need to burn oil if they're going to be able to, to, to leapfrog the way China is helping them and Russia is helping them. They need to build the rail. Like, for example, you have a rail renaissance happening with new ports being built all over the Middle East or Southwest Asia that's connecting into the BRI with a southern corridor. Uh, Iran and uh, its so-called enemies in the Gulf states are finally making serious breakthroughs on diplomatic maneuvers and economic cooperation. That's moving fast. You have rail being built from Iran into Iraq that could stretch into Syria. Um, you've got Turkey, which is still trying to play a bit of a double game, sort of courting both sides of the aisle, but over overall leaning much more towards the pro-Eurasian way of thinking. Um, and you have like Egypt, the, the hub, the node around which all of these civilizations intersect, which Lavrov just met with El Sisi and the, the leadership of Egypt as part of his multinational tour of Africa, where they've been setting up, there's been a discussion now for several years to build a trans-African high-speed rail network. Russia, Putin already said in 2018, that uh, Russia would help Africa light up because currently 60, I think it's something like, what is it? 200, uh, 600 million uh, Africans live without electricity, even to this very day. Um, that is unbearable. So they need infrastructure. And in, in response to that, you have a race for Africa. The, the, the Western idiot technocrats are freaking out. You have Ursula, Ursula van der Leyen, Leyen running down to Morocco to try to start her campaign of selling the Green Belt Initiative, the Great Green uh, Gateway Project, which basically says no roads, no rail, no major infrastructure. We're just going to give you money to bribe a lot of you to go to stick with us. And, um, you know, conditionalities that demand that whatever excess money you have that's not going to be used for bribing you will be just put into a green economy of windmills and solar panels to spread all over the Sahara and prevent that region, which could be green, like like Gaddafi was doing, moving the Sahara into a green blossoming region that could be a food growing region of the Sahel. 
Um, instead of that, we'll just have solar panels that are going to heat up the surface of the entire African continent by upwards of four degrees, which is what happens every time you make a giant solar plant facility that is just attracting heat. It burns the earth. It burns whatever is living and it makes it impossible to have any type of ecological activity or uh, agricultural activity. Forget about it. You're going to reduce your, you're destroying the ecosystems on the earth by doing that, but we'll give you money. Oh, and by the way, the quality of energy is so shit poor that you won't be able to ever power industries, which you won't need anyway, because you're supposed to be tribal, uh, you know, savages who are adapted to your natural ecosystems, like other animals, like, like other monkeys in your ecosystems, which don't build dams that don't change nature because they're well-behaved and more natural. We're the ones who are unnatural because we do te advanced technology and we have thus the unfortunate, you know, condition where we have, we can sustain more people at a higher quality of life living longer and that's the, the the big you know population crisis we have to solve um, is how a lot again these these psychopaths are actually thinking. So if you want a healthy way of thinking, look at how Russia and China and also you know Egypt are looking at economic development, and and look at and look at why why are they all being embraced by the the leaders of Africa who have all been subjected to the reality of what the neoliberal rules-based order is for the past 80 years of assassinations, coup d'etats, overthrows, and exploitation. They know what the game is. So does South America, right? So, I mean, the whole world is now leaning into that new system. And as Putin said, the, the unipolar uh, epoch is over. We are going to be seeing revolutionary changes happening quicker than a lot of people realize. And things are being planned in the background. I mean, you, you see shadows of it. But obviously, a lot of be a lot of cards are being held close to the chest right now because anytime you say specifics, like I, I mentioned the uh, the trans you know the trans African high speed rail network stretching from the west coast all the way to through Ethiopia, uh, through ten major countries of Africa into the port of Djibouti on the Red Sea. That's just one of several ports. There's also extensions going down. Maybe next week I'll show some images into Kenya where there's already like advanced standard gauge and soon high-speed rail that's been built up by the Chinese that's going to intersect going all the way down to Cape Town in Africa through Mozambique. You have on the West Coast different plans. That's why that's why Lavrov went after Egypt to Congo, which is a key zone on so many levels, not just natural resources, but it's going to be a key driving force within this massive industrial program. You have the African free trade zone, the entire continent. As of January of this year, has activated the first African continent-wide free trade zone so that to facilitate the flow of goods and people within the continent, which has never been permitted because it's been divide to conquer for the past 130 years of colonialism. So now you're going to have, not just with that, like a reduction of, of tariffs by 80, uh, no, 95%. This is going to, again, help Russia bypass the sanctions on, on from Europe because the European companies that used to do business with Russia are not allowed. So what are they going to do? They're going to sell to Egypt their parts, which they can't sell directly anymore to uh, Russia. And Egypt is going to have now facilities that they're being built up around the, uh, the port of, uh, what is it? The port of Cairo, <clears throat> one of the biggest ports, which will then be a zone that will assemble the parts into finished goods that can then be sold either into African nations, right? The labor is obviously less expensive, so that's a that's a plus. But then also there's a free trade agreement between Cairo and the broader African Union with the Eurasian Economic Union that's that's in its final stages. So you're going to have now free uh, flowing tariff-free uh, goods being then sent to, to Russia, 
So they're going to be getting the same goods that they were getting from Europe, uh, but now even finished, finished, um, which is going to help boost and drive the, the African economy. It's going to create more economic opportunities, more real jobs, more highly paid jobs as well, that, that is going to increase the parity of living standards. You have Egypt building, uh, or I don't know if they finished building, uh, the four new nuclear power reactors with the help of uh, Russ Atom. And you have Sudan, you know, which is also, they've gone through their own turmoil, but they have a lot of agreements right now with Russia involving the potential activation of a military base in the port of Sudan on the Red Sea. You have Ethiopia doing massive uh, economic relations with, with China, involving also China's a national military uh, agreement to protect BRI projects in Ethiopia, including especially the Mombasa Nairobi railway. Oh, that that's in Kenya. Um, there's another high-speed railway uh, to Djibouti um, in uh, Ethiopia. And you have obviously in, uh, in the Middle East, this is all part of the same Middle, Middle East, South, Southwest Asia, North Africa corridor, which is, it's, it's everything. This is, they're embracing an open system approach to, um, human development, and it's tied to also an embrace for space. The UAE has just embarked on a very bold, forward-thinking space program. Again, with the help of a lot of Chinese investment, China and Russia. Russia just said, you know, they're they're out of the ISS, which China has not even allowed to be in since 2011. They've never stepped foot on the IS, the International Space Age, Space Station. But as of 2024, Russia said, like it's it's unbearable. We're we're gonna just basically go it with uh, with China, and anybody can join us. A lot of African countries want to join. A lot of a lot of Gulf states and, and Arab states want to join. A lot of countries in Indonesia who are part of the the other free trade zone of the the RCEP, the Regional Co uh, Cooperation Economic. Um, bleh, forgetting the name, but fifteen, you know, the biggest free trade zone in the world. What's it called? Yeah, the, the, the largest. Yeah, the largest. Right. It's it's by and yeah. by by and large. And uh, these, all of these countries are looking at nuclear. They're looking at space. Myanmar is building a reactor, a nuclear reactor, for the first time with the help of the Russians. China is really going broad on this as well uh, with all, all of its neighbors, whereas the West has been withholding for, for the past 80 years. Again, so if you want to have a greater quality of people at a higher mental power, you have to have a nuclear society, people who are not afraid of things like radiation, which, I mean, frankly, without radiation, we die. Just like CO2, CO2 is not a pollution. Radiation is actually not a pollution at all it's not a bad thing it's part of nature look Every, i i, I agree with problem. bill gates and and yeah. klaus schwab we need to block out the sun so we right. can you know block out all radiation and stop all co2 that's life <laughs> that's that's exactly what they're doing you think that this is like sci-fi matrix stuff right no this is actually what yeah. they're putting money into and doing as we speak <laughs> like spring little little yep. carbon particles into the sky to stop global warming and cut solar radiation, which is not, you're choking off, you're choking, you're declaring war on mother nature. These plants need sunlight, not just CO2. <laughs> they need the sunlight and you're cutting them off of both of those things. While at the same time, you're cutting them off of water because you're shutting down your dams, your hydroelectric dams that have been providing reservoirs and, and, and doing all sorts of things to provide for water in the regions of California and Texas, which have allowed for things like the Imperial Valley, the most one of the one of the topmost vegetable growing regions of the world, to just run dry. So you're choking them off of you're choking your plant life off of water, right? You're you're preventing water that's under the Sahara Desert from actually producing the food it could, the way Gaddafi was moving things towards that that direction. You're preventing that. You're keeping the Sahara choked off of water and thus dry and dead. 
you're you're cutting off sunlight and you're cutting off CO2. The three key ingredients for life is what they're actually doing. You know, it's so and they're the ones saying we have to learn from nature and be more in alignment with with nature. It's like, what are you doing? Nature wants to thrive and grow and be creative like the entire universe. You know, you look at these beautiful pictures from the James Webb, Webb telescope of other galaxies, the most defined pictures we've ever seen of other galaxies. And you're just seeing evidence of the creative, amazing nature of our universe, right? And how many of these galaxies have suns that have with around them planets that, that certainly harbor life, right? And, and I mean, how much of that do you, do we not understand? We don't understand most of that. We, but we just have a sense that we have suns being born within the centers of galaxies. We've got supernova. We don't even know what that, what, what it's doing, but it's creating a lot of, of, of isotopes and atoms that, that are on the periodic table. They're being generated and created almost out of nothing from supernova and other, other processes. We again have barely scratched the surface of, and you have galaxies creating galaxies, you know, that's what these quasars seem to be. When you look at these like high redshift quasars that we're told, you know, are are obviously we're told we know exactly what they are. They're these the, the furthest, um, you know, celestial objects in the universe that were the, thus the oldest. And the, and because they're the most redshifted, they're moving away from us at the fastest rate than anything else, because the greater the redshift, the further away and faster it is moving from us. Like that that's according to the one interpretation of many the most linear boring interpretation is what it, what that is. But actually when you look at the, these, these quasars, my God, like it's, it's amazing. You got this guy, Halton Arp, this astronomer who recently passed away. He was one of the leading astronomers, a student of Edwin Hubble who did, who, who wrote the, uh, the Atlas of, of, uh, conspicuous galaxies. And he has hundreds of these observable galaxies that have quasars, which are supposedly hundreds of light years away from the, the galaxies, which are obviously connected you could visually see it with material filamentary structures connecting the the high high redshift quasar with the low redshift uh, safer galaxy, whatever it's M sixteen or there's a few others. They're all connected by these filamentary structures, implying that they're much much closer to each other. Implying that the redshift has nothing to do with distance from us, but more to do with something that is intrinsic. Maybe that has to do with youthfulness. Maybe the quasar is actually. I mean, the best theories that I've seen showcase that the quasar is actually an embryonic galaxy and that the the high redshift is a sign of the use the youthfulness and as the redshift lowers into a blue shift it's a sign of the maturity the mature the maturity of the galaxy such that if you take that logic and you look at andromeda which we're told you know is is blue shifted and because it's blue shifted we're told it's moving towards us and will crash into our milky way at some point in two what is it two billion years or some linear extrapolation then thus you know, the nihilists say, well, thus there's no point to anything. Well, okay. Or according to this other, uh, I think much more healthy approach, it's a living process. I mean, you have, a, you have a process where it's older than us. If anything, that Andromeda older blue shifted galaxy would be um, the, the, the sort of mother the, the, around which all of the other local galaxies, including our own within our cluster of galaxies were born at some point. And maybe it's not actually as far as we think it is as well, bonus. So maybe it's actually available to the idea of human beings eventually, and this is where automation comes in, a useful idea of automation. It's not all bad. Um, and machine learning, you know, sending machine uh, machines to eventually go and explore, map out and trace not just other stars within our galaxy, like Alpha Centauri would be the first one, it's the closest, but you'd want to go 
and have a program for that's thinking multi-generationally about mapping out as much as we can about our own star system with which we know nothing. We don't know why even there are 64 moons of Jupiter, each one being very different. It's like the periodic table of elements, right? Each element in each isotope has their own qualitative different characteristics. We don't fully understand how that works. And then, you know, you've got different characteristics on each of the of the satellites of Jupiter or the 38 or whatever it is, satellites of, uh, of Saturn, you know, each one's different. You know, and, and what about the two of uh, the two moons of, of Mars? Each one is, again, different. Some of them, like Europa or Io, possibly and probably do harbor life. Maybe there's there's simple forms of life on, in Mars. All I know is if you're thinking like a green Malthusian, you're never going to go there because you're, you're going to just be shutting down the basis upon which the entire civilization exists. And if you're thinking like Russia and China, who actually do have a multi-phased, serious program with government backing to do it, they're going to actually, you know, they, they've got a program by 2030 to have a working functional um, moon base with a, a nuclear power reactor on the moon, starting with the uh, the poles, which is where you have the greatest abundance of water that can be thus used not only to sustain the life of human beings who would be doing scientific work there, but also uh, could be powering propulsion, powering the stations through electrolysis, through maybe even uh, fusion you know, um, which will definitely come online sooner than later. And things like the helium three, which is abundant on the far side of the moon, which the Chinese, the leading, the leading officials within the Chinese space agency have spoken openly and loudly and repeatedly that this is a top, a top priority for China is to start tapping into that helium three, which is abundant on the moon. One truckload of which would sustain human beings at our current arc. If you had the seven, 0.9 billion that currently exist living at the maximum possible abundance and living standards available. That is what the type of energy that you would require to do that is exactly what you could get from about one truckload shipped from the moon of helium three of which there is something like 300 tons. I mean, yeah, who knows? there's probably even more. And like Christ, like all of this beauty is all there and available. We could be terraforming other planets after we learn a little bit about terraforming the earth. Right, we'd probably that'll be our, our testing ground is is figuring out how to naturally terraform, think something like the Sahara Desert or California properly, the way that JFK was moving us in that direction through things like the North American Water and Power Alliance and desalination projects. You could terraform here, learn exactly how to do this right, and then start experimenting through knowledge, a knowledgeable experimentation on things like you know Mars. And, and, and think beyond that, you know, if we're thinking transgenerationally, we won't see this in our lifetimes, but our grandkids might, I mean, then you've, then you've got human beings who are tapping into something which makes them fit to survive, you know, and I think that ultimately would make us a lot happier than uh, the type of low level depression that most people have to deal with every day living in a fucking, you know, a society that's not moving anywhere. <laughs> that's, that's state <laughs> stationary and actually not even stationary it's decaying. And uh, and totally run by evil twit twits that are you know are trying to create a misanthropic religion. So that that's not very you know inspiring. I think kids would be a lot more moral if they actually had a sense that they're moving in a society which was healthy and could could use their best skills and best creative powers, um, you know, in a good and useful way, and and not just crush them or expect them to be a little automaton drone working within a machine they don't understand, like or that actually kind of hates them. And wants them to eat bugs, you know, and, and butt plug their uh, <laughs> their cows. So, That's it. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Insanity, man. Yeah, see this Matt, the, the, these, these yeah. cows. I know we're out of time. 
But just to, just to say quickly, a friend of mine this morning sent me a, a video of these poor cows of, that, that, that have um, – Blood plugs? Not butt plugs, but like like tubes in their butt. And they all have like these big blue bags that are stuck onto their backs that just accumulate their farts so that their farts don't go in the atmosphere. It's so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's insanity. Absolute insanity. Yeah. That's the West for you. Anti-human, yeah. anti-development, anti-civilization, anti-life. Yep. Oh, I'm insane. That's the, the, the D. Can't make the, the D. <laughs> yeah. The devil. Yeah. And, I, and I know that a lot of the cows are putting, like, face masks on cows to to stop their burping. Well, that's what Did Prince Charles, he, uh, he sponsored yeah. that. He poured, like, something like, like $50,000 of his own money into, uh, yeah, the pilot project to put face masks on uh, on cows. Yeah. Insanity. Someone needs to put a face mask on a butt plug in Prince Charles. That's yep. what I need to do. He might enjoy it too much, though. <laughs> he might. He might. It might be like uh, something yeah. he'd experience on Epstein's Island, you know? <laughs> well, he, he, remember that disturbing thing he wrote to, or he, he, there was like somebody who leaked some conversation with, uh, what's what's that 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 uh animal he's 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 married to uh camel camel is her name is that, yeah he's like i want to be your, i want to be your tampon is what he said to her when he was still like married to uh to diana he actually said that i want to be your tampon like yeah camilla yeah, parker that's her yeah bowls who, who looks like a basset hound meanwhile yeah. he's married yeah. to princess diana spencer insanity sick Anyway, folks, we're at the end of the show. This is uh, V, and, of course, we have the incomparable Matthew Errett with us. Again, folks, go check him out. CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, RisingTideFoundation.net, RisingTideFoundation.net. You can also catch him over at his Substack, Substack.com forward slash Matthew Errett, and get his books. His books are absolute gems, recommended reading, recommended in your library, recommended on your coffee table. Enjoy it. Give it to your kids. Give it to your, your family members. Let them get the full gambit. And most importantly, Matthew and his wife, Cynthia, they run an amazing symposium Sundays and Wednesdays. Get on there. Join the Telegram. The information's over at risingtidefoundation.net and canadianpatriot.org. What's up, buddy? I'll say one thing. Uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, this Sunday uh, Dr. Michael Claridge, who is a leading um, electric universe uh, scientist, a, a leader in that entire electric universe community. He's going to be speaking. He's already given two uh, lectures to our, our group uh, over the past few months, and he's going to go into something on light and life, um, dealing also with some astrophysical conditions of what is life, what is evolution, how does it relate to light uh, and radiation. So that'll be this Sunday at 2 p.m., and if anybody wants to uh, come on board, Ideally, get a paid subscription to to my Substack or Cynthia's Substack. Uh, that gets you invites to everything we do for free. Oh, well, not for free, but for the price of the paid subscription. Yeah, and uh, well otherwise, worth. yeah. And if you can't afford that, including for the books, if you really if times are tough, I understand. Just send an email to info at risingtidefoundation.net. You'll get the invite if you want to come to these things anyway, and you can you can have the free PDFs of the books as well if you can't afford them. And that again, the 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 economy is shit. I totally understand that. No, the economy is great. What are you talking about? Janet Yellen just said so. Right, right. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're not in a recession until we're eating our pets. Then yes. we're in a recession. Yes, right. right. Of course. 
<laughs> and with that being said, folks, thank you all for listening in. He is Matthew Eric. I'm just a, a lowly ape. And with that being said, we're over <laughs> and out. <laughs> Ciao.